Alrighty, good morning, everyone. How's everybody's New Year's resolutions going? Good, we're still going strong. My name is Whitney, I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Connect. So if this is your first time, we wanna welcome you. We are so glad that you decided to spend your morning with us. So the past couple weeks, if you have been joining us, we have been in a series. And Dave has been talking week after week how as a church, we can get the first things first. We can put the first things first. So Dave normally had his jar up here with his rocks and and he told us and he taught us how to put our big rocks in first, okay? Because if we don't put our big rocks in first, we won't have room for them if we put them in last. So our big rocks of God, our relationship with God, our big rocks of family, our big rocks of being stewards of our money, but we gotta put our rocks in first. And this is such an important thing to learn because if we get this stuff out of order, the whole jar is messed up. There won't be room for God if we put him last. There won't be room for our family if we put them last. So priority is everything. And we need to figure out what is priority in our life and what is not priority in our life because we know that God wants us to have a full life. He wants us to have an abundant life. But again, we gotta put the first things first. So... I didn't bring the rocks here this morning. Dave will have them back next week. I know you guys are all wondering, where's the jar at, okay? But I have another visual for us this morning because I do love a visual. So I have a jacket here, and this is my husband's jacket. So thank you, Jeff, for letting me borrow this jacket. So I'm gonna put this jacket on, okay? I got this jacket on, and let's pretend this jacket is our life, okay? We, we have our life on, and this represents everything, our emotional life, our spiritual life, our relationships, our, our finances. This represents everything, okay? So we get our life on, and I am going to button it up. Give me a second here. I'm gonna button it up the right way, okay? So I'm gonna button this jacket up, okay? Obviously, this doesn't look right, okay? And the reason is, is because the buttons are completely out of order, okay? The buttons are out of order. I didn't put the top button on down. I'm gonna fix this here. So it's on, but it's not good, okay? It's on, but it's not functioning. It's on, but it's not great. It's not serving its purpose. And the reason is because I didn't start with the top button, the top button of God, let's say. I put the button of having fun and going out over our finances. I put the button of our career over our family. And, and it works, but it's not thriving like we should. And it's okay, but it's not flourishing like we should. And this, this jacket, it's on, but it's not really serving its purpose, right? And this is a good visual to show that we need to put the top button first, and that is the button of God and work our way down. Because if we don't get the buttons right, if we don't get the order right, everything messes up. And God, like I said, wants us to have a abundant life, but we gotta get things in order. We gotta figure out our priority. So I get to talk about the next big rock today, the next button, if you will, and this is something I am very excited about. This is something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is the rock of community. 
the rock of community. And you hear us say the word community a lot because it is so important to us. So my question is here this morning, are you in community? Are you in community? And maybe another way that I could put this is, who are you doing life with? If you were thinking of your day-to-day, who are you doing life with? Andy Stanley, he is a lead pastor at um, North Point Church, and he says this. He says, your friends determine the quality and the direction of your life. Your friends, the people you hang out with, the people that you do your, your life with, they will determine the direction and the quality of your life. He also says it this way. He says, show me your five closest friends and I will show you your future. So in Proverbs, it, it talks about this a lot. a lot. It says Proverbs 27, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Also in Proverbs, it says this, whoever walks with the wise will become wise, but the companion of fools will suffer great harm. So who are you growing with? Who are you pushing to be better? Who is is pushing you to be better? And my next question is, who are you in deep community with? Because I feel like community and deep community are, are kind of two different things. When I think of deep community, I think of the people you share your burdens with, you allow to carry your burdens, the people you're confessing your sins to, maybe the people that you are asking for help as hard as it is. So we started coming to connect um, when our daughter Reese was a baby. She's nine and a half now. And shortly after we started coming to connect, um, one of our best friends let us join their small group. We didn't know what a small group was. We didn't know what a connect group was, but we said yes, and we took a leap of faith and we joined this group. And we have been in a group for about eight years. Our groups have looked different. We've had people come, we've had people go, we've split off groups, we've started new groups, but we've always been in a group. And in our group, we've, we've been through a lot. We've cried together. We have had celebrations together. We've prayed together. We have seen God answer prayers together. We've seen prayers not answered and, and we've walked through those hard times, but we did it together. And I've said this before and I'll always say is, I don't know what we would have done if we weren't with the community, if we weren't in a group. I don't know how we would have gotten through many hard times. And we were meant to be in community. We were designed to be in community. And we know this all the way from the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter one. So in the beginning of the Bible, God was doing all the things. He was speaking things into existence. He was creating the, the heavens, the, the light, the earth, the, the water, the living creatures. And after he spoke everything to existence, he said, that is good. Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. It's all good. He said it was good. But then he created mankind. And it says he created mankind in our image And by our image, that refers to the Trinity. So to the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the three in one, who's always existed. And and that's a whole nother sermon for another day. And I will let Dave take that on. So that'll be coming. (laughs) But after he created mankind, he said, oh no, this isn't good. This is very good. Mankind is very good. 
However, he quickly realized that man was not good to be alone. So he brought all of the living creatures and the birds and, and he brought them to Adam and Adam named every single one individually. But however, there was still no suitable partner for Adam. There was no suitable helper for Adam. So, hallelujah, women, this is where we came in and God created Eve. And they ran around and they enjoyed the garden and they were both naked and felt no shame, which is amazing because I'm already dreading swimsuit season. So it's like good for them. But we see that this was God's design from day one. And not only did he create Adam and Eve, God dwelled in the garden with them. He walked alongside them in the garden. God created people out of love and for the purpose of sharing love because that's who he is. God just doesn't show love. He doesn't give love. God is love. And people were created to love God and to love each other. And when God created people, he gave them good work to do so they might experience God's goodness and reflect his image in how they would care for the world and how they would care for each other. So we know this is what we were meant to do. We were meant to be in community. But it doesn't stop there. We also see community in the early church. We see it done so well in the early church. And in Acts 2, starting in verse 42, it says this, they, which... They means the believers, the followers of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together. They were together. They weren't in separate homes. They weren't texting each other or seeing each other on social media. No, they were together. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions and they gave, they gave to everyone, anyone who was in need. Every day, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And then the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So this is what the early church looked like. They were together every single day. They went not only to church every day, but they actually went to each other's homes every day. And I doubt they called and said, hey, can I come over? I'll let you clean first. No, they just went to each other's homes every day and they had a meal together and they were happy about it. And, and not only that, they had things in common and they helped the need. And what happened when they did this? Well, God added to their number daily. So, if we want to be in community like the early church was in community, it's, it's easier said than done. We, we've got to work to make sure this happens. So we got to do three things. And they're a little hard, but we got to do them. So the first thing is we got to initiate. We have to initiate. We have to quit waiting around for people to initiate with us. We have to quit waiting around, hoping that someone will invite us to something. We all come in this world looking for someone looking for us, right? Because we want to be wanted. We want to be needed. And, and Jesus was king at this. He would just go up to someone and say, hey, we're going to dinner. Not only that, he said, hey, guy in the tree, we're going to dinner, but actually we're going to your house. This is what he did. 
And it's a beautiful thing when someone comes up to you and says, hey, we're gonna go do this. Or, hey, I saved you a spot at church or I'm gonna pick you up and I'm gonna take you to a meal. But yes, it can be awkward, but it's so good at the same time. So we have to initiate this community thing. So what's another way we can do that? Well, I'm glad you asked. We, you can join a group. I know this is our, my selfish, selfish plug right here. You can join a group. And I know you're probably thinking, that sounds horrible. I have to talk to people I don't know and tell them things about myself. And the answer is, yes, you do. But it's not horrible, I promise. When you join a group, you're taking a leap of faith and you're saying, listen, I wanna live like the early church and I wanna be in community. And I wanna do life with people and have people pray for me and vice versa. And I want to get to know people. And, and what happens on a Wednesday night is we all come here and we have a meal together, just like the early church did. And we sit in our circles and we meet other people and we talk to people and something magical happens around a dinner table. And then we disperse and we go to our own groups and maybe you want to join a parenting class so you can learn what this parenting thing is all about. Or maybe you think, you know what, I'm new to my Christian faith and I wanna know what, what's, what's a, what is this Christian thing about? Is there more to life? I have a lot of questions, then you join Alpha. Or maybe you're a woman and you wanna be with other women and you wanna grow together in your faith and the same thing with men. There is a group for you, but you have to initiate and you have to take that step forward and say, listen, I'm gonna do something I've never done before and I'm gonna join the group. So that is one way you can do is just do something crazy that you've never done before and join the group, get out of your comfort zone. The second thing is, you gotta be willing to need people. And this is really hard for me. This is really hard for me. I've always been the, the type of person that says, listen, you can come to me, I'm here to listen, I'm here to pray with you, I'm here to talk, but it's hard for me then to turn around and say, listen, I need something. But we have to be willing to need people. And it's uncomfortable to need people. It's, you have to be vulnerable and, and you actually have to say what's wrong and what you need help with. And, and unfortunately, some people are professionals at this and you tell everybody what you need all the time and all of your problems, but most of us have, have a hard time needing people. There's a guy in Mark 2 and he actually has lived most of his life on a mat. And um, he's paralyzed, so he can't move. And, and you would think, gosh, this, this man probably just has a really boring, terrible life, and he probably has no friends, because that would be really hard. But this man is actually just the opposite. Yes, he's lived on the mat his whole life, but he actually has some really great friends, and he actually has four really fantastic friends. And, and they help this man more than, than he'll ever realize. And, and starting in verse one, it says this, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that, they, that there was no room left, not even outside of the dorm. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat that the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, this is such a short passage, so I, I want us to take a second and, and really visualize what happened here. So we have this man, he's, he's paralyzed on the mat, and he has four great friends. And one day, these friends hear that Jesus is in town, and they have heard all the things that Jesus has done, the healings, the miracles, and, and the friends get together, and they think, how can we get our friend to this Jesus guy? How can we get our friend to this Jesus guy? So they come together and they think, okay, let's think of some ideas, okay? So maybe the first guy says, okay, what if I just run into this group and just yell fire? Everybody will have to disperse then. And I can, I can see the guys being like, okay, that's okay, that's a good idea, but um, let's keep brainstorming. And then another guy's like, okay, I have an idea. What if I go home, come back, I, I'm dressed in all black, and I ninja my way in, and then I steal Jesus, and then I bring him to our friend, and they're like, ooh, that's risky. That's a little risky. That'll be plan C. So then another friend says, I've got an idea. What if we all pick up a side of the mat and we carry our friend up the stairs, and we, we take him to the roof, and then we just start digging? I don't know who lives there. I'm assuming they have good home insurance. It'll be fine. And that is what they did. They're like, yep, that's what we're gonna do. So they take their friend up. They're at the top of the roof. They start digging. They lower the mat. And the man gets to Jesus. And Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. Without this man's friends, he would have never been healed. Without this man's friends, he would have never been forgiven. This man on the mat, he had to be vulnerable. He had to show his weaknesses for all to see. But for the friends, for the four men, this was an opportunity for them to show servanthood, acceptance, and fellowship. And the crazy thing is, not only did this man who was paralyzed have a mat, we all have a mat as well. And all of our mats are different. It could be the mat of temper that no one would guess you would have, but behind closed doors, you just have a crazy temper. Maybe it's the, the mat of fear. The, maybe it's the mat that you've been hiding a lie for so long that you were just feeling so guilty about and unfortunately, some people have gotten really good at their mat management, where they hide it, where no one can see, and no one would ever guess that they have a mat. And the thing is, our mats are usually the things that we are least proud of, and we think, you know what, if someone saw my mat, they wouldn't want to be friends with me. They wouldn't want to be around me. They would want nothing to do with me, but in all reality, our mats are the form of connecting points into a deeper relationship. And this is what happens at groups as well, or when we're in community, we, we talk about our mats and we show our mats and then someone then says, oh, you're dealing with that? I am too, I'm so glad you brought this up. I've been dying to talk to somebody about this. Or, oh, that's what you're dealing with? Wait till you hear my story. It allows us to, to connect and, and form relationships. So who carries your mat like the four friends? Did. Who do you ask pray for you? Who do you let see your brokenness? 
There's an author by the name of John Vanier, and he says this, there is no ideal community. A community is made up of people with all of their richness, but also their weakness and poverty. A people who accept and forgive each other, who are vulnerable with each other. Humility and trust are at the foundation of community rather than perfection. So after we initiate, after we are willing to show that we need people, we need to fight to keep this because it is that important. We have to fight to keep these relationships with, to fight to keep the community. Because the thing is the enemy wants to keep us isolated because he also knows when we're together how much power that will bring. So he tries to separate us. He tries to tell us, oh, you don't need people. You don't need a group. You don't need to tell anybody or show anybody you're mad. They're not gonna like you if you do. We need to fight to push through that. And yes, we all have crazy schedules. We have demanding jobs and extracurricular activities with our kids, but we need to make sure that the, the rock of community is first over all that stuff. Because if we put all the crazy schedule stuff in first, there will be no room for the big rock of community. And I know we are tired, we are overwhelmed. Trust me, when we hit the spring semester of groups, um, it is normally dark by the time we even get here and it's really hard for me. I'm normally in my pajamas by the time the sun sets. So I have to fight through that. But when I get here, my heart is so full, my cup is so full, I knew that I needed to just kind of ignore the tiredness and everything that I was going through just to get here because I knew it would be worth it. We cannot give up on meeting together. And it says that in Hebrews 10, 25, it says this, let us not give up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So we have to initiate, we have to be willing to need people, but we have to fight to keep it. So in the New Testament, there are 59 verses that basically say what we need to do for one another. I'm not gonna read all of them, but I do wanna bring a couple up. First one is, serve one another. The New Testament talks about, are you serving one another? Do you have people in your life where you say, listen, I'm gonna make dinner for you. I know you've had a hard week, or I'm gonna pick up your kids so you can go have a date night. Are we serving one another? Show hospitality to one another. When was the last time you had someone over for dinner in your home? without cleaning. You don't even have to clean, just have someone over for dinner at your home. When was the last time you had someone over that was far from God over for dinner? Are we showing hospitality to one another? Are we being kind to one another? In such a hateful world, are we being kind and showing love to one another? Encourage one another. It says encourage each other as long as it's called today. Are we carrying one another's burdens? I have burdens, do you have burdens? Are we carrying one another's burdens? The verse that I talked about earlier in Acts 2 where it talked about the early church and community where the early church met together every day. They were eating meals in each other's homes. They had glad and sincere hearts. They were you know, serving together. They had things in common and the Lord was adding to their numbers daily. So if we don't fight to keep that, here's what 
it may look like. And this is from the modern day translation, which is not real. Don't go look for it. This is made up. But this is what could happen. This is what our Acts 2 could look like if we don't fight for community. It could say this. They were devoted to their comfort, their happiness, their personal goals, dreams, and bucket lists. No one really noticed the Christians because they were only focused on themselves. Very few of the believers were together, and when they were, they fought about stupid stuff. If they sold anything, they used the money they got to buy something new for themselves. They claimed to love God, but they didn't even love each other. So they felt empty, alone, depressed, and as a result, many people disliked them and very few lives were changed. This is what the church could look like if we don't keep community as a big rock and keep it as our main focus. So I wanna put a twist on here real quick because I also think this, is, this goes hand in hand. So community is important. We have to be in community. We were designed that way, but we also need to be out in the community. Don't be so in your community that you forget to be out in the community. Jesus tells us, he says, now go. Go and make disciples. What he doesn't say is he doesn't say, wait here in your home, in your circles, in your rows, and I'll bring them to you. That's not what he says. He says, now go and make disciples. Dave always talks about this picture of what connect is, of what our vision of connect is, and, and that is circles, which we always believe circles are better than rows, um, but being in a circle, but we don't wanna be in a circle looking inward. We wanna be in a circle as a united front, as a church, but looking outward into the community. Because here's the thing, we cannot just be spiritual consumers, we also have to be spiritual contributors. It goes hand in hand. And sometimes, sometimes, and me included, I think sometimes we play it too safe here in our rows on a Sunday or even sometimes in our circles on a Wednesday. But there was nothing safe about the Son of God. He touched leopards. He, lepers, not leopards. He might have touched leopards, but he also touched lepers. He befriended prostitutes and he enlisted tax collectors to be a part of his discipleship team. Jesus loved those who hated him and he blessed those who persecuted him. He welcomed everybody. He welcomed everybody, regardless who they were. And those people that he welcomed, religion rejected. And we need to be those Jesus-honoring people where everyone is welcome, everyone is needed, and everybody can be changed here. Here at Connect, our mission, and we will never get tired of saying this, our mission and vision here is connect our community to Christ. That is who we are as a church, connecting our community to Christ. That means everybody. People do, that don't look like us, that don't think like us, that don't live like us, and maybe that don't even believe the way we believe. We say belong, believe, behave. That means we want them to come in, whoever that is, and, and know that they're welcome. Know that they belong here. And then eventually, they keep coming back, and eventually, they will run into Jesus. They will run into Jesus. 
And then they'll start to believe and, and you know, Jesus will do the hard work and make them behave. We can't do that. Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came to save the world. He did not come for the righteous, he came for the sick. So I am reading a book right now. I'm not all the way done, but I wanted to share because I feel like it's already so powerful in what I'm reading. And the book is called um, Just Walk Across the Room. It's by Bill Hybels. And I wanna quickly tell you a story um, of really what the book is about. So the author, Bill, he is um, a a pastor of a a local church and his son uh, was on a soccer team. And his coach was a great coach, a great person, and he was a great teacher, just a great overall guy. But he also knew he wasn't a believer, which is fine. But he made a point after every single soccer game, Bill, the parent, would walk across the field and he would go talk to this coach. And every time, after every game, he would walk across the field and and it would look different every time. Sometimes it would say, you know, hey, great game. You know, the, the boys really did good out there. You coached great. You know, thanks for being so awesome. Sometimes he would walk across the field just to help him put the cones away or put the soccer balls in the bag. Sometimes he would just walk across the field and just smile and say, hey, I hope you had a great day. But one of the times he walked across the field and he said, listen, I don't know if you know this, but I am a lead pastor at a local church and I just wanna invite you to come sit in service. I would love for you to come join us. And the soccer coach actually starts laughing and he says, I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming but, and I don't wanna offend you, but I'm not coming into your church. I'm just, I'm not a believer. That's not who I am. I'm not a church guy. Thanks for the invite, but you will never see me there. And Bill said, that's fine. You know, I respect you. I I still love you. You're a great guy. Just know you always have a seat open. Months and years go by and um, Bill is up in his church and he is leading a baptism class. And he's leading this class and in the corner of his eye, he sees the coach and he hasn't seen this coach in years. And he finishes the class and then he walks up to this coach and says, hey, you know, how are you? I have not seen you in forever. And he's like, yeah, I'm good, you know, how are you? And and Bill's like, do you know you're in a church in a baptism meeting? Just wanna make sure that you know where you're at. And the coach is like, actually, yeah, what you probably don't know is I, um, I came to one of your, Christmas Eve services, and I was having a really low moment in life, so I was going through some really hard times, and I remember what you said, so I I came, I snuck in the back, and I left right after, but I loved it so much, and, and I kept coming, and he said, one of your messages really spoke to me, and I accepted Jesus that day, and I wanna get baptized, and the thing is, this probably would have not happened if Bill had not took the time to walk across the field to to meet this coach where he was at. This maybe wouldn't have happened if he would not have walked across the field and just, you know, was kind and loving. But he did that. He left his circle of comfort, that's what he called it. The circle of comfort are the people that you are comfortable with, that 
think like you and look like you and believe what you do, but sometimes you have to leave your circle of comfort and just walk across the room wherever that may be. That may be at a kid's function, at the grocery store, at an event, whatever that is. Sometimes we need to leave our circle of comfort and just walk across the room to somebody who maybe doesn't know Jesus, but maybe you can point them in that direction. Jesus was known to do this. He was known to enjoy deep community from time to time, but he also consistently and unapologetically excused himself from his circle of comfort and he would walk in the direction of someone so he could point them in the direction of the Father. And we need to do the same. So I wanna just do one last visual here because I love a visual. Um, I'm assuming everybody has a smartphone. If you don't, go talk to Dave Jane after this. Um, If everybody could get out their smartphone. I know we say no phones in church, but we're gonna, I want everybody to get out their smartphone because I wanna show what we should look like as a church. So everybody, when they have it up, kind of raise it up. So if you could turn on your flashlight real quick and kind of raise it in the air. Everybody, so everybody's smartphone. And if you could look around the room, this is what we as a church should look like in our community and our surrounding areas. We need to be the church that is showing light to the world, that is showing love to the world, where we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. This is what we need to do out in the community. Not only do we need to be in community, we need to go out in the community. Okay, keep them on. If you can turn the lights on, but keep them on. We can turn the lights on in the room. Now, with your flashlight still on, I want you to go to your camera. Flashlight's still on, but go to your camera. And let's look at ourselves real quick. I know that's awkward. It's gonna be like that awkward thing. So if you didn't realize, while we're looking at ourselves, our flashlight turned off. It automatically turned off. And this is what happens sometimes when we are so used to looking inward and at ourselves, our light turns off and we forget to be out in the community. So I have two challenges for you here this morning to go home to do today. The first challenge is sign up for the group. Sign up for the group, just give it a go. I promise you. It will be life-changing in one way or another. If it, if it wasn't, come talk to me, but I promise it will be worth it. Sign up for the group. And the second challenge is go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the community. Let's be the community that is so in love with Jesus that other people see our love in Jesus, then in turn will want to love Jesus and then God will add to our numbers daily. So that's my prayer for us today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much just for this day. Lord, thank you for everybody in this room and just the people that you've surrounded ourselves with where we can have community, just like you designed us to have community and just like the early church have community. Lord, just help us get back to that. Help us need people and, and, and grow together. And then in turns, then just sh- turn around and, and show that light and the love of Jesus to, to people who don't know you, Lord. 
Lord, because that is what you told us to do is you told us to go and go and make disciples. But Lord, you know, let's find people where we can do life with, where we can grow together. So then we can in turn go out together and find people to we, so we can point them in your direction. So, so they can feel the love of you that we get to feel every day, Lord. Lord, I just thank you so much for your word and thank you for who you are, Lord, and that is love. I pray this in your name, amen.